When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're all in take five. Aaron Hogan, Rod Babers, hook them up. 1019 AM 1260, The Horn. Oh man, what a Sunday. It's always a good one. Championship Sunday in the books. Super Bowl 58. Set, and we're talking about it with you on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B. After the Lions lost to the 49ers in the NFC Championship game last night, Dan Campbell said, quote, I just felt really good about us converting when asked about his aggressive fourth down calls for his Lions, who went from up 24 to 7, but didn't score again in the second half round until they were down 34 to 24. Yeah. That would be not good. Mm-mm. To be up 24-7 and then not score again until you're down 10 points. Uh, and you had opportunities in that window to at least kick field goals and get some points on the board. I think it hurt his ball club a lot. I know that's who he is, but at the same time, tendency breaking's big at this moment and um, needed to kick those field goals. But uh, we'll, you know, we'll never know. Yeah, but but what about this guy dropping? Just dropping four downs here. Oh, man. All right. That's why you don't go for it, though, because that can happen. You're, you're playing with human beings here. Yeah, but I mean, and the kicker could miss a kick. I know, but Dan Dan Campbell don't coach like that. that to him, that's coaching scared. Dan Campbell don't coach scared. Well, that's, that's, you can also coach smart. Yeah, uh, but you could argue they don't make it here if he doesn't coach that way. They don't make it here. Well, they never even get here if he doesn't coach that way. And then they they end up losing somewhere early in the playoffs. This this team was built on that. If you watch this team all year long, nobody went for it on fourth down more than the, than the Detroit Lions, especially once they passed midfield. They played. Four down football all season long. Lions went forward on fourth down 34% of the time in the regular season. Highest rate of any team this century. <laughs> Lions converted 18 times on fourth and three or shorter in the regular season. That was tied for the most of any team. I mean, that's just what they do. That's just who they are. It's part of their DNA. Like I said, Scorpion and the Frog. This is who well, they are. Well, now they're one of four franchises that have blown a 17-point lead at halftime in yeah. a championship game. So, yeah. Welcome to that. You, it's a, it's a, you're gambling, though. Well, every, listen, you, there are a lot of gamblers out there. Ty, you're a gambler. There's going to be one point where, you know, it's going to blow up in your face. That's what gambling is. You know what I mean? You can try to be a smart gambler, but this is about as smart as, as the Detroit Lions have been all season long. And they probably should have went at least 50% on those fourth down conversions, but they had one guy drop one. Understood. I just um, – I'm. You take, I watched your coach, Mac Brown, do it over and over again. When you, in close games, in, different, in championship-level games. I've, I've always said you've got to break Tennessee at the right time, but I'm just saying it, it, being too critical of him for this one decision, in my opinion, I, I think you know, it, it may be a little overcritical considering what they've been all season long. Like, this is who they are. Well, I yeah. mean, you called me overcritical, but I, I, I think it's indefensible to not kick that field goal to tie it at 27. I, I, I think that's indefensible because at that point you just gave up the ball uh, and, you know, you, you, you led the entire game. And all you got to do is yeah. kick a field goal. It's 27 all in a we're – we're, we're going to the wire in this game. We know that. 
you got to get points in that spot. You can't not get points on that possession because now you're playing the clock. Um, you know, in that moment, you're now behind in the game. Uh, get the game tied. Get no, the game tied. My thing saying overcritical is like that's the only reason they lost the game, and it's not. No. They, they had a 17-point lead, and there were other reasons they allowed the 49 oh, sure. to come back into that game. Fair enough. And for, for Dan Campbell, because Dan Campbell's never been a coordinator, guys. That, that, that matters because coordinators are able to separate emotion from the game. He's a, he, he, he came from being an assistant coach, and he's more of a leader of men and an inspirational leader, and he coaches with emotion. So you could argue, yeah, he probably should have separated emotion from that moment and been like, no, nah, man, we need these three points, and that's more of a calculated decision. But I think that the Lions lost this game for a lot of different reasons other than Dan Campbell making that moment. Now, could he have saved? Could he have stopped the bleeding and, and, and stopped the, the, the huge kind of avalanche momentum <laughs> that they were on the downside of? Yes, no doubt, and I agree with you about that. But they had a 17-point lead against the, you know, against the 49ers on the road. That's not the only reason they lost the game. 100%. I'm not saying not it's the Dan, only reason. So I think right now the narrative is Dan Campbell's coaching lost in the game. I'm like, well, that's not the only reason they lost the game. Well, Dan Campbell made a questionable decision, but it wasn't like he made five or six of those questionable decisions. That's why he lost the game. No, I think it was a critical component, though, yeah, to the was, loss. Yeah, it I was. I think the, the third quarter decision after they came out with the ball and went down and kicked a field goal, you come out, move the ball right back down the field on them like you had the whole first half. You kick the field goal. Now they're, you're halfway through the third quarter, and the lead is right back to where it was. Momentum stays in your your sidelines. And then there's the point I just made that you know after you collapse a little bit with a fumble and a three and out, and all of a sudden you're trailing to get that thing back tied with as many as few minutes as you had left in the games and few possessions as you were going to get in that game because the Niners at that point. You know, you're playing – the Niners have now gotten hot, and you're not stopping them like you were in the first half. They were hot. Now you got to get this game tied. Yeah. Uh, have to get this game tied and then go from there. Um, but, you know, I, I thought both of those were critical. No, by, by no means were those the, the only issues in the game. or the, you know, But they were critical to the outcome because I think six points in a three-point game were critical. But as I just said, it's human beings playing. They could have missed the kicks. There's, we never know. Uh, just like in the Baltimore game, right? It was I, – I, I can criticize John, John Harbaugh and his team – for not running the ball enough. I thought that was a huge mistake to only hand the ball to running back six times yeah. against the best secondary in football. Um, you know, I think that's a mistake coaching-wise. But at the same time, it was the players that made that's the one that That's the one that occurred over the entire game. Like, that was a, a calculated decision by them over four quarters not to run the freaking ball, especially on first down, and now a traditional running game. That's the, I agree. That may have lost in the game, and it can, you can be critical of the coaches for that. Dan Campbell made one decision, and that is not the reason they lost a 17-point lead in nine minutes. Agreed. That one decision is not I the reason they lost the game. It was a bad decision, and, yes, you can criticize for that. But that's why I say it's overcritical because everybody right now, the narrative is they, Dan Campbell, that's why he lost the game. Dan Campbell's going like, well, that's not why he lost the game. They had a 17-point lead they lost in nine minutes. There are a lot of things that went wrong for them. The fumble. The execution was off for them. They couldn't stop the, the 49ers offense at that time. So I just think it was more than just Dan Campbell's. That, that we've, we've, I think that we've reflected on that decision more than any other aspect of that game. 100%. But yeah. uh, it's my biggest criticism of it. Yeah. Uh, whereas in the Ravens game and their loss, look, it's credit to the winning team because what, what, the, what the 49ers did in the second half was pretty damn incredible. And what Brock Purdy did – was historic. You gave these stats earlier in your rant about Brock Purdy and what he did in the second half. It's never been done in, what, 30 years. You know, you know complete 80% of his passes, rush for 45 or more yards, yeah. throw for 150 or more yards. I mean, it's all credit there. But this is what we do. We break down games, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I thought those two calls for Dan Campbell were ugly, and this is my opinion. But it wasn't the sole reason they lost the football game by any stretch. I think the second call was ugly. 
I think the first call was equally ugly in the third quarter because, again, you get the game back even, you keep momentum, and the game's it's still a 17-point lead and you've already drained like, half the third quarter. But like I said, the, execution, the, the call wasn't bad. The execution was bad when the guy drops it. You're right. You're right about that. So that's, that's not criticizing. The, why not? Why are you not criticizing the drop? <laughs> More so than criticizing the call. Let's criticize the drop because the call was a good call. The guy was wide open. Yeah. And the call, and, and the throw was on the money. The call was good. The execution was bad. They right. can't always be on the coach. I know the buck stops with them, but you know, man, what about the execution? Are we going to blame Todd Munkin for the interception that Lamar Jackson threw at the end of the game? No. That's you know he, he made a call, but that, that execution was terrible. Yeah, you got to execute the play. I just again, I, I'm I'm for taking points when you have points, and especially a lead on the road. That's I think it. that's I, more. It's more about what you as a what you at your football philosophy is taking points. Is. You've been critical of Sark in the same situation. Absolutely, take the point. Take the point. Take the so point. I just think it's going back to what you believe in, and you just don't really believe in that. I do not. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I do not. There we go. <laughs> so that's why you've been kind of on, on harping on that point. And I agree. You're right about it. But I'm just saying, like, you lose a 17 point lead, guys, and it, and before the fourth quarter. Yeah, the game is already. T- Come on, that's not all on one coach making one call. That's a that's a meltdown. That's a that's a wholesale meltdown. All you guys uh, take a little ownership of that. Everybody should turnovers. You know the defense. Everyone. We'll take your thoughts on it. Four four seven three seven seven six is the text line. We'll get behind the burn orange curtain coming up. Longhorns still making moves, adding people, and maybe losing some people too, as far as coaching staff goes or analysts go. Uh, and they also lost out on a big recruit they were after through the portal. We'll get you details on that coming up first. So let's get you the top stories, headlines, as we get you uh, rolling on your Monday. Top Gun Reynolds and Lawton will bring you the news. Yes, Super Bowl Fifty Eight is set. Two weeks from yesterday in Las Vegas, it's a rematch of Super Bowl 54. The Kansas City Chiefs, who beat the Baltimore Ravens yesterday 17-10, scored zero points in the second half, but that was enough. They uh, held the Ravens to 10 points, their lowest output of the year, also forced two critical turnovers in the fourth quarter to preserve the victory, and they're headed back to the Super Bowl for the second year in a row and the fourth time in five years. Meanwhile, the San Francisco 49ers are going to the Super Bowl for the eighth time in that franchise's history as they rallied from 24-7, down 24-7 at the half, to to, uh, pull ahead and and hold on for a 34-31 win over the Detroit Lions. 49ers quarterback Brock Purdy led five second-half scoring drives, three went for touchdowns. He finished with 267 yards through the air, also rushed for 68 yards to send the Niners to, uh, as we said, the Super Bowl once again, a rematch of four years ago coming up in two weeks. Also from football over the weekend, uh, after tabbing Vic Fangio to coordinate their defense, Eagles have now added former Cowboys offensive coordinator and Chargers OC Kellen Moore to take control of their offense in New England, uh, Atlanta. Falcons head coach Raheem Morris has hired uh, L.A. Rams quarterback coach and passing game coordinator Zach Robinson to be his OC. In Buffalo, the Bills removed removed the interim tag from offensive coordinator Joe Brady. He'll take over full-time. Meanwhile, Ken Dorsey, the former offensive coordinator in Buffalo, has been hired by the Cleveland Browns. In college football, Michigan officially promoted offensive coordinator and offensive line coach Sharon Moore to replace Jim Harbaugh as the school's head coach. 37-year-old gets a five-year contract. Longhorn special assistant to the head coach Joe DeCamillis is reported leaving his role with Texas with their special teams to become the special teams coordinator at South Carolina and Texas basketball. Big game tonight. Longhorns dropped that game at BYU on Saturday, uh, 84-72. The Cougars uh, shot 64% from the field. The Longhorns uh, had their two-game win streak snap. They'll try to find a win tonight at home against the fourth-ranked team in the country. Houston Cougars coming to town with Kelvin Sampson. That game tips at 8 o'clock tonight. Also over the weekend, if you missed it, Texas women rebounded from their midweek loss last week to OU. They took down Cincinnati 67-50. to 
Horror Headlines brought to you by Top Gun Rentals and Lawn Equipment. A new year and a new store. Come see our new beauty location at 200 Trademark Drive to rent, buy, or repair any construction and lawn equipment you need. TopGun.net. We'll shoot you straight. And now the uh, Lamar Jackson narrative or his legacy is, mm, I would say it's in jeopardy because I mean, he's still a great player, but now it, it, the, the negative narrative is that he's a regular season phenomenon. That in the postseason, he and the he will fall short, and he's falling short in the postseason, even though he's probably going to win his second MVP before he's 30 years old. Well, it, 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 it you know, to what is he, 27, 28 years old? Yeah. I mean, it, it falls 20, into. 25, I think, right? He's young. No, he's, I think he just turned 27. He's, yeah, he's a little bit, but he's still young. Still, still a young really player. Really young. No, he's really young. He's Entering really young. his prime. Yeah, well, really I young. mean, it, it, it enters, you know, Dak Prescott conversation. Um, you know, somebody mm-hmm. texted us and said it's, he's the, you know, the NBA comparison is Dominique Wilkins, right? Uh, great player with mm-hmm. Atlanta Hawks, highlight film, highlight reels. I mean, even the James play. James Harden gets some of that. Yeah, James. Well, great even, player in the regular season. Yeah, and, and obviously like like Dominique and then like Charles Barkley and some others, you're running into this guy Michael Jordan. No, that's true. Because Josh Allen has the same tag, but, you know, even though he's a really good player, but he can't beat Patrick Mahomes. Who can beat Patrick Mahomes has to be added to the narrative. But, yes, I mean, yesterday, as we said, if, the, if you tell most anybody that follows football that the Chiefs are only going to score 17 points and not score in the second half, that's a game Lamar Jackson at home has to win. I mean, that really is a game Lamar Jackson has to lead his team to a victory. Yes, the defense, you know, first two drives, Andy Reid absolutely pantsed Jim, uh, Matt, Mike, 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 Mike McDonald, yep. and, you know, they had the better game plan to start the game. But still, they got control of that. They went to more man defense. They let Kyle Hamilton, the all-pro safety, go crazy and just make play after play. And, again, they, they pitched a shutout in the second half uh, and really – gave the, uh, the offense every opportunity to go win the game. And this is why the narrative at a lot of levels is fair for Lamar Jackson because this was at home. This is with the best defense in pro football who didn't play a terrible game. They weren't great early, but they were great for the rest of the way, and you couldn't go get it. And that's we're having the same conversation about Brock Purdy the other way, which mm-hmm. is, you know, that's the fascinating part of the, the quarterback debate because Brock Purdy in the last two weeks has been tremendous when his team needed him most and was the reason they won the game. But also his pedestrian play early may have been a reason that his team well, which would was you rather down. Have? <laughs> no, I'm with you. Exactly. That's a great point. I, I think I'd rather have the clutch team now. 100%. Because there's a good chance these games going to come down to the wire anyway. I need the quarterback that can make the winning plays uh, in, in clutch time in critical moments. And you know, your, your point about Lamar Jackson I think is astute and on the money. It is fair uh, that you know he is criticized for the postseason play because he's come up short. I mean, he had his – he had his uh, lowest completion percentage versus the Blitz, and he had been great versus the Blitz like the last six weeks of the season. He had been amazing versus the Blitz. And the Chiefs blitzed the like, you know, sixth most in the NFL. Spagnola loves to blitz, especially with his DBs. And I figured, man, that's matching up. That matches up pretty well because he's been great versus the Blitz, and the Chiefs blitz a lot, and they'll be ready for it. And the Chiefs did blitz a lot. Didn't matter. He wasn't ready for it. Whatever Spagnuolo was able to mix up the looks and the pressure packages in such a you know exotic way that he never that basically Lamar Jackson never got in a rhythm. He never looked confident in in what he was throwing to, uh, and and his receivers. Although there, there were some big plays, Zay Flowers made some big plays there there now and there. He they never he never had a consistent chemistry with the receiver. I thought Mark Andrews coming back would be a big deal. That really wasn't that big of a deal either. No, I mean, it, it's why you have to give a lot of credit to the Chiefs in that defense because it's knows. proven to be great. He was brilliant, man. We reminded folks earlier that brilliant. when uh, Tom Brady had an 18-0 football team in a Super Bowl, 
and one of the greatest offenses ever put on a field. Steve Spagnuolo came up with a defensive game plan to shut that down and win a Super Bowl, right? Yep. So he's capable, and he's got the personnel to do it in Kansas City. But I mean, look, I mean, this is why this is such a this is why the NFL is so popular because you can have these conversations about quarterbacks. And you know, the, the other thing about Lamar Jackson is this is multiple playoff years now, and this will be his second MVP where he doesn't capitalize on and get his team to the Super Bowl, just like Dak Prescott, right? It's not just one time. It's now multiple years where you didn't come up in a big moment where you had the opportunity to do so. Uh, look, I was a little bit critical of Josh Allen last week, even though Josh Allen played really well in that game for, for a majority of it. He just didn't, in the big moment with, with uh, two minutes to play and a chance to go win it, he didn't. Clutch time. That's clutch time. But, you know, how, how critical can you get? Because he played a really good game. Uh, Lamar Jackson was kind of erratic the whole day. He never really was on except for the Zay Flowers touchdown. And, um, you know, his interception in the fourth quarter was really a bad mistake. Yeah, That was, that's just, that was a really that's bad terrible. mistake. I mean, that guy was covered. He was double covered from the jump, and then that was his third guy over the top. Yeah. He was like, come on. Man. Yeah, so, yeah, those are fair conversations because it's it's the margins. This is what this is where legacies are made. So, you know, you're going to have a good legacy or you're not a good legacy, right? One or the other. And, uh, you know, we're seeing Brock Purdy rewrite what his legacy is. Patrick Mahomes is a legacy unto himself at this point. Uh, but, yeah, everybody in the AFC – that's the guy you got to beat, and uh, you had, you know, to me, I think the Chiefs, you know, we'll see what Travis Kelsey does. Is he going to retire or come back? What, what, what are you? What's your lean on that? Are you feeling like he's um, he's empty in the tank? No, I think he'll come back because I think they want him to mentor whoever the next great tight end is going to be for them. But if, so I guess my point would be, I do think the Chiefs, having rebuilt this defense, and they've done it. If you go look at their draft picks in the secondary and the the acquisitions they've made, the pass rushers they've they've drafted and brought in. I mean, it's, it's, it's how they've gone. They've gone, let's, let's build a great defense to go with this great quarterback. And I think they're going to add pieces around, more pieces around Mahomes this offseason. I think they're going to add more weaponry. I think this, if you're Baltimore, kind of like the Dak Prescott narrative, Rod, this was the Todd Monken offense, right? This is, this is Lamar 2.0. This is the offense that suits him better. It's not all on him. He's got other people. And in this game, for them to, to play that poorly offensively, it's just like Dak Prescott, right? I mean, it's... You, you build the Tex Coast offense around Dak, and he has a great regular season. He's going to be runner-up for the MVP. But, you know, against the Packers, he had a poor first half, and you were down 27 to nothing, and we know the rest was history. So, yeah, those are, those are narratives. Uh, are, they, are they all together fair? You know, we could argue that, but at the same time, they're earned. They're yeah. earned uh, with play on the football field. Yeah, it was a badly called game by Todd Munkin, too. Yeah. Um, I thought Todd Munkin also – there was some shrinkage in that moment, and along with Lamar Jackson, too. So, yeah, bad game plan on top of bad execution by Lamar Jackson, ultimately. And, yeah, we've got to give some like, more props to Chris Jones. I mean, Chris Jones oh. was great. I mean, he made so many damn plays. they got to sign him. I don't know what's going to happen with the Chiefs, but they can't let him walk like they did Tyreek Hill. That you – know, I don't know how you have a great defense without that guy on it. I mean, he's kind of your linchpin. Oh, and he can move him everywhere. I mean, his his knockdown on that big fourth down play. Oh, it was amazing. That, and, you know, if you hear the audio, Nick Bolton is calling out screen, 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 screen. You know what I mean? They're, they're reading this play. And Chris Jones at his size to to get out there and knock that ball down to make a play. And Because as, as Tony Romo pointed out, I mean, probably would have been a first down. They had a screen set up. 
with Zay Flowers, and it was going to go. No, it was perfect. That, yeah, blocking in front. First of blocking and just makes the play. Those are just critical. Oh, that was right there. There it was. Third yeah. nine. This is what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, they read yeah. it. I mean, that was just a really well-coached team. That would be my assessment there. I mean, cause, uh, you know, maybe I'm overly critical of Dan Campbell because I think his team played a really good game, and I don't know that he gave them the best chance, but that's my opinion. That's true. He didn't give them a – I would say he gave them no tactical strategic advantage. And in the, nope, it, he did not. In the other game – the Chiefs were just the, the much, much more buttoned-up, well-coached, sound team, where the Ravens, just the mistakes. I mean, you just cannot play a game like that, have yeah. two critical turnovers in the red zone and all those penalties. They unraveled, man. They unraveled. They yeah. did. They couldn't handle the moment. The moment was too big for them, and you could tell that the Ravens didn't have a lot of experience in pressure-packed moments like that deep in the playoffs um, because they had so many guys just make dumb mistakes. Just, oh. I mean, they really were. They were this event. Right before the half, the Van Noy penalty. They had two of those unsportsmanlike conduct penalties. The taunting by Zay Flowers when they finally get a big play down. They get them deep in, uh, the, deep in uh, the territory for the Chiefs. They finally get there and they make a mistake. And then Zay Flowers has to fumble on the goal line. And you could argue that – I mean, I know he was trying to stretch out, so it's hard to blame a guy for giving extra effort trying to stretch out to get the touchdown. But, man, you could argue that if he had just kind of run through and, and, and tucked the ball – and just run through it to absorb the contact, been ready for it, that he'd still score. Yeah. That he'd have he'd been hit hard, but he'd still score. And he decided to, to lay out, and oh, it was a great play by, by Legereus Sneed. It was a great it play. It was one. That's one of the best plays of the season. Oh, man. Season. Because he did it on purpose, right? He came. Oh, yeah. He punched from, it. He punched he, it out. He punched that ball and, and you know, knew. He saw it. Anticipated that Zay Flowers yes. was about to reach that ball out and make it vulnerable, and he oh. came under there. That was. I mean, that, that's how great these games are. That's why yeah. we knew we'd get two really good games, and that's why it's and we were critical of the losers because it was so disappointing. But you were that close. You're that close, right? You were close. And that's, that's what makes this sport so popular. That's what makes the games so compelling. Uh, and now, of course, it's a hero's you know, situation for, for Pat Mahomes, and it's back on Lamar Jackson that, that can't get it done in the biggest of spots. And Zay Flowers, after that, he's so upset with himself after he fumbles. Oh, he cuts his hand because he's banging down the bench because out of frustration that he fumbled the football. But that was also, I think, kind of a microcosm of the entire night for the Ravens. They were close, but they were their own worst enemy in crucial, critical moments. And emotionally, they just couldn't handle it. It was just that moment was just too big for them emotionally. And you could tell Chiefs, man, that's just what they do. They had been uh, all the all the key players for the Chiefs showed poise in those moments because they had been there before and they had experience deep in the playoffs. Ravens didn't have any, and you could see, you could tell. Yeah. Well, and okay, let me, I don't want to go back to harp on Dan Campbell too much. I do think Dan Campbell <laughs> kicking field goals could no, help this team calm down. No, no, you're uh, – that's but Calm down. That's because, uh, again, the, your team's never been here before. Your team's never been this far. It's a young group. Uh, I think the coach at that moment could have helped his team take a breath. Guys, that's we're true. good. We're good. Because uh, the avalanche is happening, but we're, we're good. We're, we're tied. We, we would have asked any of us, we're tied 27 with, you know, six minutes to play. We'll take that. We'll take it 100% of the time. But those are, you know, that's, that, that's a, you know, the Ravens are a little bit more of a veteran team, but they were new to this. They'd never hosted an AFC championship game. No. Uh, and especially against a team that is so battle-tested as the Chiefs. And I think the Niners were the more experienced team by a mile in that oh, game, and it showed course. up throughout the second half. And that's where I think Dan Campbell could have helped his team a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he didn't give. A, he did not give them a coaching advantage. I'll give you that. And that's what you're saying. You wanted, hey man, that moment. That's what you need. You need a strategic, tactical advantage because you you don't have one on the field because that's all been taken away via the momentum kind of avalanche that you're on the downside of. And he did not do that. That's yeah. why you got to break tendency. 
Um, but man, they seventeen. You lost a seventeen point lead in nine. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Nine minutes. Nine Hard minutes. to do. Hard to do. Right? Uh, but, like, you know, that's... <laughs> that, 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 you know, like that's the, been the conversation all morning long. It's good stuff for sure. Um, all right, we'll talk about it with you. We got Rod behind the burn orange curtain. Who, uh, where is Joe D. Camillus going? What kind of impact can it have? It's an analyst conversation. Also, Longhorns did lose out on a uh, portal prospect that they were after, uh, the cornerback Manny Muhammad, excuse me, Manny Muhammad's cousin, yeah. uh, Jabbar Muhammad. We'll get you details on that coming up for the end of the hour. We'll go off the record with some stories you've missed, but you got to hear them into your work week, final week of January. Hook them up with Ian Rodby. The Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. Yeah, what a weekend it was. We're at the turn, Rod. We're at the turn, meaning halfway through our Monday conversation, five hours a day, five days a week here on Hook 'Em Up. Two and a half hours in at 8.30. We're nine holes out, nine to go. Uh, and, yeah, on the PGA Tour, remember, they wrapped up on Saturday because CBS was carrying the football game yesterday, so they wanted to go ahead and be done with the PGA Tour. So they went Wednesday to Saturday because okay. of football. NFL. Oh, smart move. You don't want oh, to compete yeah. the league. Yeah, well, and, you know, Jim Nance. You, you, Jim Nance was calling the golf on Saturday from Baltimore. Mm. He was, like, doing it over television, uh, made it sound like he was at Torrey Pines in San Diego, but he was actually in Baltimore to call yesterday's game with, uh, with, with Tony Romo. Nice. But Matthew Pavon. Made an eight-foot putt on a dramatic birdie at 18 on uh, Torrey Pines. He becomes the first Frenchman to win on the PGA Tour. The Frenchman, you know, oh. with all the with all the players oh, leaving the, to go to go ahead. First Frenchman. First Frenchman ever. 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 That's crazy. Well, like in the and, and in the Australian Open in tennis, the first mm. Italian ever won a, a Grand it, Slam. It's just because they don't play over here. Like what? Yeah, is I mean, because they it's new. Just play I, in other look, I do groups. think because so many you know PGA players have gone to the Live Tour that this has opened up some spots on the PGA Tour or gotcha. so some others. And okay. you know, this guy's been a fixture on the European Tour for a while. Comes over here and played really well. Final round uh, sixty nine uh, to give him the victory. But uh, um, Matthew Pavon, first okay. Frenchman, and yeah, and they at the uh, Australian Open, the first tennis Grand Slam of the week, over the weekend. The, the Italian, first Italian ever to win nice. uh, at the Australian Open in tennis. So, yeah, some firsts over the weekend. Hey, let me ask you this, and at the turn, Rod, because we're going to talk some actual football, but a lot of criticism, and I need to tie in on this too at, at, at the bottom of the 8 o'clock hour, a lot of criticism I read saw yesterday, and you may have too, for Tony Romo. Yeah. I that Tony Romo has slipped as a color analyst, that he's mm-hmm. no longer – Remember when he, when he came in and, and took the world by storm, he ended up with that big contract and mm-hmm. had the great first year. But where are you on – what's your temperature on Tony Romo as a, as a color analyst? Has he lost his way with Jim Nance? Uh, I don't – I still enjoy Tony Romo, but I guess uh, maybe some of the shtick is getting a little bit old with people. Maybe that's it. I still think he'd get, he provides pretty good analysis, but maybe I'm off. Ty, where are you on T. Romo? You're that was your quarterback back in the day. Are you are you in or out? I'm in. I'm a I'm a Romo sexual for life. <laughs> I'm a 
homosexuals. Well, the criticism stems from that a lot of times he doesn't you know, go deep enough, and uh, I think he's fine. Uh, but, you know, he, he has some comments from time to time that left you wondering. Now, I will say on the other side of this, one of the things that I think hurts Tony Romo is then when you watch the Fox game, Greg Olson is really good. He is good. I mean, Greg Olson. This is last year, right? He's out. Yeah, because Tom Brady's taking his job. Yeah, he'll he'll end up somewhere. He's gonna because he can be a lead. He's really really good. He and Kevin Burkhart are really strong. And a lot of times when I'm watching the game, Rod, watching the Greg Olson game reminds me of when I'm talking to you on the show because he's he's really giving you second and third level things yeah. that, that most that. most <laughs> casual fans don't see. And so I think most casual fans like Romo because it's not as in depth. Yeah. Remember when he first started? Like Romo was predicting the play calls and telling you where you know. He's, you know I remember that. And people were really taken by that. But I think Greg Olson, man, he, he takes you into the game. He does. I learn stuff when I watch Greg Olson too. He does. He gives you nice little. He gives you nice insight. He does. You can tell he does his homework. You can tell he watches film. And Tony Romo does that stuff too. I just think Tony Romo's delivery is just very different. Hey, he's a little goofy. Yeah, he's a little goofy. He's trying to. He's trying to mix in some playful banter. Greg Olson is pretty stream, pretty business oriented with his approach, which I don't. I, I like. And he, every now and then he'll crack a joke. But Romo's trying to crack as many jokes or more jokes that he's trying to give you insight. And I don't think people like that. Yeah. They, they want. They want the insight. Yeah. But Romo's got a good personality. He's trying to show it off. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny because, you know, there's just, you know, critics. And I just see more and more of people. And I'm like, I think this might be a little overly critical. But fair enough. And but, he and Nance are friends, right? Yeah. That, that's the other thing. I'd actually, I think I've that seen, helps or I've, maybe doesn't help. I've <laughs> actually seen some professional critics, you know, the ones that write for the, for the papers. Yeah. Saying that it doesn't feel like the chemistry with Jim Nance has grown. That they, they still sometimes seem a little awkward. Uh, with their chemistry, but I don't know. I okay. I, I thought it was, I thought Romo was 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 strong yesterday. Now the one comment that he made that's that's making the news is that he after the strip sack fumble, he said the ball in games like this, the ball is, is more important even in these games. It was almost like the team that scores more points is going to win the game. Yeah, oh, yeah, so yeah, a very yeah. simple. Yeah, turnovers yeah. in playoff games yeah, yeah. are big. <laughs> turnovers in playoff games are big. Yeah, true, well, well, true, Romo. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, you know what? Sometimes you gotta state the obvious. Yes. You gotta state the obvious sometimes. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, props to Charles Amenahu for the strip sack fumble. And unfortunately, that soon after that, he hurt his play. knee. Yeah, it was, was a great play. play. It was a huge play in the he game. He says he's gonna play though in Super Bowl. He said he's good. Yeah, that's good. In the post game, well, maybe he's just hype. But he said, "Do I look like a guy who's not gonna play in the Super Bowl?" <laughs> Do I look like a guy? So. Uh, that was a nice pickup for them, by the way. Man, he remember he, he played for the Forty ers he did. Yeah. And, of course, the Houston drafted Played, him in the fifth yeah. round, and he ended up in San Francisco, and now he's in Kansas City and will play in a Super Bowl. He can just rush the pass. He's a natural pass rusher, so he'll always have a job. Long arms. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, so yeah. there's some uh, at the turn. Coming up this week on the PGA Tour, Rod, it is the, uh, the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. That's always a fun event on the West Coast out there at Pebble Beach. So they'll get that going mm. this week on the PGA Tour at the turn. Nine holes out, nine holes to go. Well, brought to you by our great friends at Callahan's General Store. At the Turn is presented by Callahan's General Store, helping to keep your yard in golf course condition year-round for 45 years. It's always a good day to make it a Callahan's day. And they were all asking themselves the same question. What is behind that curtain? All right, several nuggets that we need to hit um, from the 40 acres. We'll talk, talk about Texas basketball here in a second. Uh, but Texas football, uh, they may be rounding out their support staff. They hired an analyst, Brandon Huppert, from Oregon State. He has a history and a background with PK, all, going back all the way to his Boise State days. Um, Texas, uh, I believe, 
Texas D, uh, defense coordinator Pete Kukowski was the D-line coach at the time at Boise State when he first uh, coaches Huppert. And then after Huppert's playing career, uh, he started as a defensive quality control analyst from 2013-2017 under PK. Um, and then Chris Peterson there at Washington. And then Dan Hawkins hired Huppert to coach the defensive line at UC Davis in 2017, a group that set the single-season program uh, record, actually 37 sacks at the time, so that's pretty good. And uh, Huppert returned to Washington in 2020 and at one point was the director of player development, and he, I believe he had a say, the same role, a similar role at Oregon State most recently, and he's coming from Oregon State to Texas. Now, if he's coming as an analyst, which means no on-field coaching and no recruiting for him, but I believe you still can do some of the same things you did as a director of player development if there are certain players that Texas uh, would like for him to evaluate and come up with a kind of a plan of action as to how to develop those guys and what their trajectory should be and what goals they need to meet for them to uh, achieve their ultimate, obviously, success. Um, essentially, that's what he was doing. You could do that in an analyst role, too. Um, essentially, it's all, it's all about scouting, looking at a player's skill set, uh, then projecting what that player uh, what you want that player to be and how you want to maximize them in your system and then what are the steps in between to help you achieve that. That's essentially what a player development guy is going to do and then making those kind of practical connections between diet, diet nutrition, strength and conditioning, on-field uh, success, on-field training, drills, all of that all-encompassing. And and that's what a director of player development part of the they got a lot of things they do, um, but that's part of their role. And I wonder with some of the younger guys if he can help you come up with some of those plans, um, essentially those uh, scouting evaluation plans for uh, individual player development. So we'll see. But also he works with D line, and Texas has a new D line coach in Kenny Baker. So also I'm assuming that he could offer insight on. Techniques, fundamentals uh, with the Texas defensive line as well. So I, maybe that's why they're bringing him in because PK likes him, knows him, and he's a guy that's worked with the D line. And maybe he could come in and help you be, I don't know, sort of quasi assistant to uh, or assistant to the defensive line coach, but in an analyst capacity. So there you go. That's uh, and I believe now they have three between William Gay, uh, Huppert, and also Paul Christ who reportedly is returning. I, I haven't seen him confirm that, but they don't really confirm anything about these analysts. We just kind of see them reported. I, I don't know if the Texas University actually comes out to announce it. I don't think I've ever really seen that. Uh, we just get great reporting from a lot of the other sites about these kind of things. So Brandon Huppert being the latest uh, analyst that is added to the Texas support staff. Uh, also on the recruiting trail, now Longhorn fans were excited that Texas could potentially get Jabbar Muhammad, the corner from Washington, who was in the transfer portal, one of the best young, I think he was the top corner actually in the transfer portal uh, as of last week and was an all-Pac-12, I think second team, all-Pac-12 defender. He has decided to stay in, well, at least for now, uh, with a, Pac, a former Pac-12 team. Uh, he's going to go to Oregon. Um, so I believe the report is that Oregon was able to offer him NIL-wise. I'm sure that Oregon, they got a sugar daddy, so they probably could offer whatever Texas is offering. Um, but I believe from what I heard, shout out to my man C.J. Vogel uh, from on Texas Football, uh, he's 
hinting that maybe it was playing time in a Texas, a lot of rotation of your corners. You rotate your corners a lot. Malik, and you got young ones, Malik Muhammad. You got Terrence Brooks. You got um, Gavin Holmes. And then maybe he didn't want to end up in a situation where he's rotating and he's trying to go to the NFL. Sure. You want I mean, as much, less film as possible. Well, Longhorn fans would understand. Isaiah Bond, the receiver who committed to Texas, says, you know, this is – my yes. draft stock is my corporation. I'm trying to improve my draft stock. And coming to Texas, he has a good chance to be the number one wide receiver, uh, the, the number one target if he develops chemistry quickly with Quinn Ewers. I mean, he can, he's that talented. He's that yep. fast. He can replace Xavier Worthy as kind of that go-to big play receiver, which helps your draft stock. Uh, and, you know, that's what Jabbar Muhammad wants. He wants to line up that's against exactly the top right. receivers in the Big Ten this mm-hmm. year. He wants that tape. He wants that tape. And, you know. The more reps you have, the better. Um, and I right now in Texas, yeah, I mean, a lot of Longhorn fans have been frustrated with that, but they are committed to rotating their defensive players. Yeah. And they rotated damn near everybody on their defense, except for the linebackers. Jalen Ford didn't rotate a lot last season. Um, but other than that, I mean, mostly everybody else is Sark in Sark believes in, uh, in fresh defenses. And I think if you look, look at Georgia and then Michigan the last, you know, three, four years, they rotate a lot of players too. Definitely, um, but they're – they got a lot of NFL players back there <laughs> yeah. rotating, too. Well, I think the, the argument for Longhorn fans is like, well, you don't have Georgia and Michigan's roster yet, so fewer rotations. Yes, keep guys fresh, but fewer rotations. And maybe be more judicious about when you rotate well, guys. yeah, and you don't have to take Murphy and Sweat off the field at the same time. You can <laughs> leave one of them on the field. <laughs> <laughs> on the fourth down? Yeah, on the fourth down. On the fourth down? Yeah. yeah. Uh, speaking of Murphy and Sweat, by the way, there are five Longhorns are being a mobile this week, Rod, for the Senior Bowl. That's gonna senior be Bowl big. practice start this week and yeah, then the game on watch. Saturday. Mm. Five Longhorns are there. Five long. There was going to be seven Longhorns at this Senior Bowl before Alfred Collins and Jade Barron, you know, decided they were coming back. They were both invited, but uh, Jordan Whittington is there. Yep. Jalen Ford, Byron Murphy, Tavondre Sweat, and Christian Jones, all participating at the Senior Bowl this week. JT Sanders not enough? Is he there? No. I, mm. You know where JT Sanders was? He and uh, I thought he, he was participating he, in something postseason. But I uh, East West Shrine. Oh, East West Shrine. He and, he and Jonathan Brooks were up in Frisco this weekend yeah. for the East West Shrine practices. Okay, there you go. Now, and of course, Jonathan Brooks is there with He's an injury. Hurt. He's yeah. not going to play. He was just there though to meet with with whoever and be a part of it. So yeah, that's uh, that's you know if you count Jade Barron and Alfred Collins who were invited but decided to come you know continue their their Texas career. I mean that's uh, that's nine guys who would have been at these All-Star Bowls. That's pretty impressive what the Longhorns are putting into the National Football League That's right now. really impressive. Uh, yeah, and I, cause I saw JT Sanders had measurements and it was from the Shrine Bowl, as you just mentioned, and he's verified 6'3", uh, basically close. You can round it up, 6'3", and 6 inches. So he's really close. To be uh, in 6'4". Yeah, to be in 6'4", legitimate, and 252 pounds. So, JT Sanders. Yeah, man, he looks he's looking good out there. Uh, okay, before we get to the break here, I want to play this uh, audio of the BYU coach. Now, Texas lost to BYU, but one of the controversies, I don't know why it was a controversy, was that some of the BYU fans, uh, they wore T-shirts with horns down spelled out across all their shirts. So each shirt had a different letter on it. Uh, and it was spelled down. it was spelled out horns down on the shirts. And at one point – the students were asked to remove the shirts um, and change shirts. And a lot of people thought that this was upon Texas's request, that somehow Texas was responsible for that. Here is the BYU uh, head coach in the post game clarifying that it was not the University of Texas necessarily that made that request. Thanks, guys. Hey, um, if I can. And Ty's going to be mad at me here, but uh, I don't know. You guys report on this horns down T-shirt. Are you guys hearing this? 
and just know, know from our student, from our, uh, you know, they were taken off before the game started, right? And and from our, from the Rock, and from our players, and from our student body, uh, that's just not us. That's that's not how we roll. And it was just a, a miscalculation on, on just a couple eager kids, uh, uh, which we love the eagerness of these fans. But this is not it's not what we do here. So uh, we love. Every, all 18,000 people in, in this gym, they were incredible tonight. And just that, just so you know, that's not um, that's not something that we're supporting. Okay. There you go. Um, so th- basically they made the decision to decide that they wanted to, you know, not do the horns down or at least not have that displayed uh, at their arena. It wasn't Texas, even though I think nas- nationally the narrative is that Texas was a little upset and offended by it. As I've said before, it's just free marketing. It's free media. No need to be upset about it. Everybody knows what it means. And lately, for some reason, I guess uh, some narrative is developing that Longhorn fans are really deeply offended by Hornstown after the Rodney Terry thing happened and then now this. And I don't know why it's starting to come up again. I thought we had settled well, this. But I, I mean, guess again, not. I, mean, I saw this. And look, I, I, I shame whoever told those kids, told them to take the shirts off. That's They shouldn't have done that. They should have been able to wear those shirts. Yeah, that's crazy. They, and keep them. Yeah. It's not offensive. It's not, not, not like I said F off or anything. I mean, it was, it was horns down. And they were written like they painted H-O. Yeah. And they just stood across the front row. Um, they should have been. That's that's one of the, the great things about college basketball and home atmospheres and those kind of things. That's That should not have been. They should have kept them on, I believe. Yeah. And at the same time, you look, the stuff about Rodney Terry and Horns Down, Rodney Terry was mad about Horns Down, but he's also mad about when it happened. And it was kind of an in-your-face thing, right, mm-hmm. as you're shaking hands at the yeah. lineup line. I think that, that context has to be included. He wasn't just mad about Horns Down. He was mad that they were doing it kind of, kind of as an in-your-face, we just beat you on your home floor thing, which yeah. that's, true. That, that's as much as anything. Um, but either way, it's, 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 it's a tired thing to talk about, the Horns it Down. It's just like, y'all. It's not a huge deal, but it, it gets made a huge nationally. Deal. It is. I know. But I, but I think locally it's not, but nationally it's almost, it's like it's like the Arch Manning thing all over again. It nationally is nationally. It's a huge story locally. We're like, it's not a story. Well, I, th- I think early on, Longhorn observers and people who cover Texas were concerned that it was Texas that asked them to take the shirts off. Now, if that had happened, then Texas there is open for criticism. Like if somebody at Texas went over there and said, hey, can you ask them to take those shirts off? That's We don't like that. That's, I agree that, that didn't happen. And the yeah. coach of BYU clearly just told you, no, 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 we, we don't do that. that. We did that. Uh, to re- which, which they should also <laughs> yeah, you out, that, that's a mistake yeah, let the kids yeah man let the kids, let do, the kids put the horns kids. down well, well they're just trying to give you a good home you know home court advantage that's about home court right i mean yeah. distracting to, the longhorns that's good dude if you go to a texas baseball game the occupy left fielder get, you know, occupy left field guys are giving the left fielder hell i'm talking about his sister and yeah <laughs> they're looking up stat looking up his family his yeah. girlfriend is so on that, instagram that pop fly has, uh, heads his way hell he's yeah. thinking about something else hell yeah <laughs> That's what you do, right? Yeah. You, give, you give them the business. Yeah, I don't. That, you're right, man. That's a little too. Uh, that's a little too cup, cupcake, man. That's, a little, that's snowflake. That's cupcake, stuff. yeah. That's snowflake stuff. Uh, and you know, I, I think it's unfortunate for Texas that it got kind of painted by some that they were the ones asking for it, or at least that they requested it. That didn't happen. But either way, bigger picture, kind of like the horns down with Central Florida, the Longhorn defense in that game. That had that's that was true. something to be more concerned about to allow a team to shoot 64. Uh, percent That's bad. Uh, that's I mean, bad. that's. And they had like 15 dunks or layups, or 18 dunks or layups. It was. Wasn't pretty. I, I will say for BYU, they they lead the Big 12 coming into that game in points scored, but also in three point attempts per game. They were they were chunking it up there like 35 times a game, mm. 
And in this game, they totally flipped their script. I mean, yeah. from a breaking tendency. Got to the rim, huh? They changed what they were, and they started going right to the basket. I think that surprised Texas. The, the frustrating part is there was never an adjustment made uh, to, to any of it, and they ended up shooting 64% for the ball game because everything was coming right at the rim. And then, you know, they did knock down some threes as the game went on. But they, instead of shooting 35 like they normally do, they shot 17. So that got cut in half, and they went to the basket like crazy. That was a pretty impressive performance by BYU in that game. Longhorns tonight with Houston Rod. Cougars in town. Hey, coming back, we're going to uh, hit some off-the-record conversations. And, yes, for a lot of you folks, the two weeks of Taylor Swift has begun. The Chiefs are in the Super Bowl. It's happening. Also, I saw a power ranking of all-time cartoon characters. Rod, i got to give you see where you fall in their uh, power ranking. Interesting. Uh, Getting to all that coming up off the record. Coming next. Off the record on Hook 'em Up with Ian Rod B is brought to you by Viking Fence. When you think fences, think Viking Fence. DD Mega Doo Doo. I'm sorry, Mangoodoo. Once it's turned on, the sign will spell out Deli Cat Essen. Well, well, I don't get they bring the egg comb. Well, congratulations. Continue good sex in the sex in the Big East. Thank you, Jimmy. And boom goes the dynamite. It's time for another edition of Off the Record. Do it live! I can I'll write it and we'll do it live. And thing sucks. All right, quick uh, off the record run as we get rolling here into now Super Bowl weeks. Yes, sir. Still recapping the games. We'll pick that up on the other side. The uh, good, the bad, and the ugly from two really good football games, compelling football games to say the least, uh, that went to the wire in both cases, AFC and NFC. Uh, but uh, here we go, Rod. The, uh, the com has listed, has created their okay. uh, best cartoon characters of all time and rank Mickey Mouse as the number one. Followed by Bugs Bunny, the entire Simpsons family, SpongeBob SquarePants, Fred Flintstone, top five. Yeah, I mean, I, I know Mickey Mouse is up there, but I didn't watch a lot of Mickey Mouse cartoons as a child. I did not. Well, as Disney, so you're, and of course, but think about the like, years and like, did you watch a lot of Mickey Mouse cartoons? Nope. I know that's the weird thing. I know. I watched had, more Bugs Bunny than I did Mickey Mouse. I did too. Exactly. That's the weird thing about that poll is that, yes, I know Mickey Mouse is. I know his, his, his achievements as an animated character. I know that he's well-known and iconic, but I didn't personally watch Mickey, a lot of Mickey Mouse cartoons. I watched a ton of Bugs Bunny. Oh, man. I did watch quite a bit I of Fred watched Simpsons. Flintstone. I watched Fred Flintstone. <laughs> so Tom to and me, Jerry. That's why the Mickey Mouse thing gets weird. Because he didn't have a lot of cartoons in my, in my day. Me either. That were like, you know, really good, iconic cartoons that I had to watch. I got to think, uh, yeah. all the way down at nine is Snoopy and Charlie Brown. That seems low. That seems low because every holiday. Yes, you watch Snoopy, you watch and, Charlie Snoopy and Charlie Brown. They got a Christmas special. They got a Thanksgiving special. Even a Halloween yeah, one. That's, I, that's I watched way more Charlie Brown than I did uh, Traditional, yeah. So okay. That's why that's weird. That's why that's a strange ranking to also, me. Also, way down to 13, Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. Man, I watched a lot of Wiley Coyote and Roadrunner. I love that cartoon. Ooh, I love Tom and Jerry. Yeah. Oh, where's Tom and Jerry on there? Six. Yeah. Tom and Jerry is pretty – that's pretty classic. And you said the Simpsons are number three? Entire Simpsons family, three. Yeah, that's, that, that's, that's, that's appropriate. When you think about how long the Simpsons have been on. Oh, they're still going, right? And they're still going. That and, one's fine. Through different generations. And SpongeBob is pretty – I mean – generational now 
My kids grew up watching SpongeBob. No, this is yeah. I am not as yeah. I, I my guess, kids loved SpongeBob. I was just too old for SpongeBob. Me too. So I, me yeah, too. Uh, but you, your kids aren't there yet. My kids. Once your kids SpongeBob. get into a cartoon, you'll get into and it. And Pokemon, if you can believe my oldest. Now I got into Pokemon a little bit. I was into Pokemon Pikachu, and I was into Pokemon a little bit. I got into Pokemon. Then remember, I got back into Pokemon. Went to Pokemon Go. App. Remember when I was going oh, yeah. crazy? People <laughs> yeah. were like people like breaking, that. breaking their legs mm. and like you know separating shoulders because they are walking and looking at their phones and falling. I still have you a Game Boy. Time? I still have a Game Boy in my car that I bust out on, on road trips and stuff. My my first Game Boy I got when I was like four years old, and it's it's. And, and I play and what Pokemon. are you playing? Pokemon. Pokemon. Oh yeah, Pokemon. Wasn't yeah. as big on the Pokemon Go. Just I just don't really like iPhone games that much. But any any original Pokemon game, yeah, I played it for. For hours on end. Did you watch the Pokemon cartoon? I did. I did. I wasn't okay, as big yeah. into car. I, I when I was little, I watched more like Nick at Night with like George Lopez, Fresh, Freshman Spell Air. I, I never really liked cartoons very much. If I'm being honest. Yeah, that's true. Well, okay. All right. Well, I got into cartoons as a kid. It's uh, fun. Yeah, Saturday morning cartoons. Oh. And after school cartoons. You know. All right. Well, we'll, we'll SpongeBob. Take your power SpongeBob ranking. is my number one though. If I had, if yeah, I had he's to four on this. You See, had to rank it, SpongeBob. That's because he's your kid's age. I'm trying to think SpongeBob. who would be my number one if I had to. Like, I'm trying to think of the the hours logged watching cartoons. That's I, a great question. I think Scooby Doo would be pretty high for me because I liked watching Scooby Doo and Shaggy and cartoon I watched the, the Mystery most. Machine. A sleeper, a sleeper for me would be Courage the Cowardly Dog. Y'all, mm. y'all have heard of him before? I don't know if I've heard of him. Honestly, I would have to combine the Flintstones and the Jetsons because they used to come oh, on back Jetsons to back. Oh, Jetsons not even on here. They used to come on back to back where I was at. I was, I was like the Flint, like the Jetsons and the Flintstones, and yeah. I would watch. I love Jetsons and the Flintstones. I watched a ton of that. Uh, the Jetsons don't even make it. Where's George Jetson? This boy Elroy. <laughs> Where's <Jetson? laughs> his daughter Judy? Daughter Judy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, we'll be back. Hook him up with the Rodby. <laughs>